Good evening. Governor Cuomo declares gun violence in New York a disaster emergency, while Mayor de Blasio fights for control of a downtown park. Cases of a breakthrough COVID infection are on the rise, and a Pentagon report says nuclear war is survivable. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Tuesday, July 6, 2021. In the first of its kind, Governor Andrew Cuomo is issuing an executive order declaring a disaster emergency on gun violence in New York State. The announcement follows a string of shootings over the holiday weekend in cities across the state. According to news reports, more than 50 people were shot statewide over the weekend, with 26 people shot in New York City alone. So today, first state in the nation is going to declare a disaster emergency on gun violence. Thank you. What does this do, this executive order? First, it says to everyone in the state, I want you to understand the extent of the problem. I want you to understand how serious this is. It then also allows us to move even faster and free up money and free up programs so we can get it on the street and we can get it on the street now. We also need a comprehensive plan of attack. We're going to have seven steps. One, treat gun violence as it is, which is really a public health emergency. That's what it is, and that's how we're going to treat it. Hot spots where the gun violence is coming from. It's not coming from every community everywhere. You can find out exactly where it's coming from, and you can target it. Third, you have to have a positive engagement with the at-risk youth. You can't just say, no, don't do it. You have to have a positive that you're applying. We have to break the cycle of the escalating violence because you see it coming. You see two groups fighting, one shot, two shot, four shots, ten shots. You can interrupt that that progression of violence, and that's what we have to do. We have to get illegal guns off the street, and we have to get the guns out of hands of dangerous people, and we have to rebuild the police community relationship, period. And Cuomo said about 4,090 people, and this is the these are the numbers that they presented as a result of their scientific inquiries that he was referring to, mostly between the ages of 18 and 24, and that's according to the governor, are responsible for nearly 50 percent of all shootings in the state. Meanwhile, on Sunday night, the NYPD enforced a midnight curfew at Washington Square Park. A massive police force descended on on the park on Sunday night, overwhelming a group of protesters. A small skirmish erupted afterwards, just about 1 a.m., leading to a handful of arrests on Washington Square South, just outside the park. Actually, police say there were five arrests. The incident comes after weeks of dispute in the community over the increased popularity of the park, with parties stretching way past the midnight curfew. Several earlier attempts to enforce the midnight curfew had failed. Mayor Bill de Blasio and Commissioner Dermot Shea addressed the issue at a news conference today. Approach that we have taken, and this goes back years and years and we've reiterated again now is folks are told really clearly what those boundaries are and if after getting repeated instructions from police you ignore those instructions of course there's going to be consequences Uh, i don't know why some people think 
uh, it's the right thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do, obviously. You do not ignore the instructions of a police officer, period. But I want to say, Juliet, it's very, very few people. It's a city of eight and a half million people, the vast, vast majority of whom are law-abiding and want to work with the police. The number of people you're talking about at this point is really infinitesimal, and we should keep that in perspective. Go ahead, Commissioner. I think there's a range when you look at some of these situations we're seeing. You try to handle it, you know, through uh, dialogue. Maybe it escalates to a summons being issued. So there's a range of ways that it can be handled. And then, you know, the summons is in many ways that should have consequences. Somebody should have to answer to that and pay that summons, whatever it is. But I want to be clear. What we saw again this weekend was uh, a, a small number of people actually putting their hands on cops or spitting on a cop. And, and now we're into a different reality, in, in my view. And I think somebody should go to jail. And I'm going to continue to say that to, in this case, the Manhattan DA or whatever borough it comes up in. Um, there should be stiff consequences or it is a very slippery slope in incidents like that. Mayor Bill de Blasio and Commissioner Dermot Shea. Earlier, the governor said the answer to what the police are terming antisocial behavior by citizens are more jobs. And President Joe Biden made another appeal today for Americans to get vaccinated against the COVID virus. He warned of the dangers of the fast-spreading Delta variant that's moving quickly through unvaccinated regions of the country, and he outlined steps to breathe new life into the vaccination effort. American people made it happen, but our fight against this virus is not over. Right now, as I speak to you, millions of Americans are still unvaccinated and unprotected. And because of that, their communities are at risk, their friends are at risk, the people that they care about are at risk. This is an even bigger concern because of the Delta variant. In today's briefing, we discussed how the Delta variant is already responsible for half of all cases in many parts of this country. It's more easily transmissible, potentially more dangerous. And it should be because of reconsideration and it, it, look, let me put it another way. It seems to me it should cause everybody to think twice. And it should cause reconsideration, especially the young people who may have thought that they didn't have to be vaccinated, didn't have to worry about it, and didn't have to do anything about it up to now. But the good news is that our vaccinations are highly effective. Fully vaccinated Americans have a high degree of protection, including against this Delta variant. Study after study after study has shown that since early May, virtually every COVID-19 hospitalization and death in the United States has been among the unvaccinated. So if you're vaccinated, you're protected. But if you're unvaccinated, you're not. And you're putting yourself, more importantly, maybe from your perspective, your family and your friends at risk. So please get vaccinated now. It works. It's free. It's never been easier, and it's never been more important. Do it now for yourself and the people you care about, for your neighborhood, for your country. It uh, sounds corny, but it's a patriotic thing to do. And that's President Biden. On Friday, World Health Organization Director General Tedros Adnam said although there have been advances in fighting COVID, it's still not enough. But no country on earth is out of the woods yet. The Delta variant is dangerous and is continuing to evolve and mutate, which requires constant evaluation and careful adjustment of the public health response. 
Delta has been detected in at least 98 countries and is spreading quickly in countries with low and high vaccination coverage. I have urged leaders across the world to work together to ensure that by this time next year, 70% of all people in every country are vaccinated. This is the best way to slow the pandemic, save lives, drive a truly global economic recovery, and along the way, prevent further dangerous variants from getting the upper hand. And that's World Health Organization Director General Dr. Tedros Adhanom. Of course, the issue of vaccination is complicated and is controversial here on WBAI and other locations, and we'll be covering other aspects or other approaches to the problem in the future. Earlier today, Mayor de Blasio was asked about the reports of breakthrough cases of COVID in people who have been vaccinated. He was joined by Health and Hospital CEO, Dr. Mitchell Katz. He says despite those cases, things are steadily getting better. You know, we're pushing up now to 9.5 million vaccinations. That number continues to grow. Um, We're seeing, you know, lower and lower hospitalization. That's fantastic. So I think we're in the right place. Uh, If we see any adjustments, we'll make them. But we do not have a plan to make additional adjustments at this point. The important thing to keep in mind is that there is less testing going on right now. Uh, sensibly, because people know that they are protected from the vaccine by the vaccine. So people are generally less concerned about going for testing. So that's affecting the positivity rate. The rate of people who are hospitalized, which is really what we care about, remains very low. Um, The vaccines are doing their work. Yes, there are breakthrough cases. I don't have data on what percent are breakthrough cases. Um, But what we know is that when people are vaccinated, even if they are positive for the virus, they don't get seriously ill. And again, that's what we care about, keeping people alive, saving lives. And so we want to keep pushing on the vaccination. Uh, The vaccinations work for the Delta variant. The Delta variant is just more contagious and so poses a greater risk for the unvaccinated. So I don't see that we're going to make any recommendations to have vaccinated people wear masks. The problem is unvaccinated people. They're the ones who are generally getting infected. And that is Mayor de Blasio, followed by uh, Dr. Mitchell Katz, who's the CEO of Health and Hospitals. And in Florida, officials overseeing the search at the site of the condominium collapse in Surfside uh, just north of Miami Beach, sounded increasingly somber today about the prospects for finding anyone alive, saying they've detected no new signs of life in the rubble as the death toll climbed to 36. Crews in yellow, yellow helmets and blue jumpsuits searched the debris for a 13th day, while wind and rain from the outer bands of Tropical Storm Elsa complicated their efforts. Video released by the Miami-Dade County Fire Rescue Department showed workers lugging pickaxes and power saws through piles of concrete rubble barbed with snapped steel rebar. Other searchers could be seen digging with gloved hands through pulverized concrete and dumping shovels of debris into large buckets. Search and rescue workers continue to look for open spaces where people might be found nearly two weeks after the disaster struck at the Champlain Tower South building in Surfside. 
And according to officials, the numbers of people who are missing are arranged now. Uh, they could be anywhere from 70 to about 113 who are missing. Numbers of people who were reported missing are uh, not being uh, – it turns out they might not have been in the building, so they are reviewing and updating those numbers and will keep you updated as those developments uh, come to light. And within hours of the U.S. withdrawal from Bagram, the largest air base in Afghanistan and the longtime hub of America's longest war, looters rolled in. Bagram Airfield, after nearly 20 years, was closed after ne nearly 20 years by shutting off the electricity and slipping away in the night without notifying the base's new Afghan commander, who discovered the Americans' departure more than two hours after they left. The air base at Bagram once housed 100,000 U.S. troops. Now it's been silent and dark. Power was cut 20 minutes after the last American left. Defense Department spokesperson John Kirby says the end of U.S. control at Bagram was a prudent choice and not a decision to cut and run. There were ample discussions about the turnover of the base to include a walkthrough uh, of facilities. So, so it wasn't done, you know, in some sort of shroud of, of secrecy. Um, and as for the uh, n not being able to to specifically provide the hour or hours of, of departure, again, I think you would all understand w why we would do it that way. It's not it's, it's not a statement about whether we trust or don't trust uh, uh, our, our Afghan partners. It's a statement of the fact that we have to consider that this drawdown could be contested uh, by the, the Taliban, and we have to take that in consideration. It would have been irresponsible, and, and I would expect you to challenge us if we had been so specific as to give you know the exact hour uh, as our as our troops were were uh, were turning over that base and, and, and leaving that that would have, that would not have been a prudent thing to do uh, but again we, we have to assume and we're going to continue to assume um, that at any point the drawdown can be contested and it would again be irresponsible if we didn't do it that way and that's uh, Defense Department's spokesperson, John Kirby. The Pentagon says the final withdrawal of U.S. forces will be completed by the end of August. The turnover comes as Taliban fighters have been surging across the country in northern Afghanistan. District after district has fallen to the Taliban in the last two days. Hundreds of Afghan soldiers fled across the border into Tajikistan rather than fight the insurgents. Bagram Airfield reportedly includes a prison with about 5,000 prisoners, many of them allegedly Taliban, and that is under Afghanistan's government control. And the possibility that nuclear weapons could be used in regional or global conflicts is growing, said a newly disclosed Pentagon document on nuclear warfighting that was updated last year. The first edition was quickly pulled from the shelves. It was loaded with bellicose language mirroring Donald Trump's approach to foreign policy. Although it quickly disappeared, a new edition was obtained by the Centers for Arms Control through Freedom of Information Act results uh, re uh, request. A research analyst with the center is Samuel Hickey. This document is actually essentially a re-edited version of one that was released in 2019 briefly. Uh, however, right after, uh, quickly after it was retracted. Uh, back into the Pentagon, which suggests that the document did not reflect uh, current U.S. nuclear posture. Um, and this is a really concerning uh, development because these, the nuclear, um, these documents, these uh, are, they're U.S. government policy, essentially, and they direct U.S., uh, you know, operators in the nuclear command, you know, what to do. Um, and these documents are also read by U.S. allies and U.S. adversaries. 
So when a document is put out and then quickly retracted, that really does send a message to them that the U.S. nuclear strategy or nuclear posture is not certain. Did this have to do with the Trump administration? Certainly. So this was all done under the Trump administration. So the document was first released in, in, in 2019, that was retracted, and then I believe it was uh, then put out in 2020, but we are just now um, able to read it. So this document reflects current uh, U.S. nuclear posture because the Biden administration has not had um, its own chance to essentially change policy um, to this degree. They've been able to put out some, some minor um, interim national security um, guidance. Uh, but not to not to this degree. Is this an advisory document to the president, or what's the actual purpose of this document? So this is uh, an advisory document for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So the president is the one who does who makes all of the, all of these decisions. Um, but this document outlines essentially guidance for all of those who operate in the Pentagon who have anything to do with the U.S. Nuclear Command. So is that the? It's not the official policy of the Pentagon or of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. No. But it is a bit of its position in how it views the world. So it does um, touch on the threats that it views. Uh, Particularly, it brings up Russia, China, North Korea, and then also Iran. What does this uh, report say the main threat to the United States is? Who would we have to launch these nuclear missiles against? Yeah, so it doesn't specify one singular threat. It, it outlines a couple of them. But the key thing that this report is trying to get at is that, you know, there, you know, we're on the brink of a new nuclear arms race, and arms control, the arms control regime is in serious disarray. So states across the board are clinging to and modernizing their nuclear arsenals, even when there's no real, uh, you know, obvious threat to their national security that nuclear weapons could deter. That's it's really concerning. So they see a broad range of threats, um, particularly regional ones that could possibly escalate into nuclear uh, nuclear exchanges, um, and. That also brings up another concern, which would be, you know, the idea of using what some call low-yield nuclear weapons. Um, and so the the idea about these is that they How might, big is a low-yield nuclear weapon? That's exactly the right question. So these are actually, you know, much bigger than the ones that we used in Japan in Hirosh on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So the, ma the massive destruction that those weapons cause, these low-yield ones are actually bigger. So realistically, if there is ever a nuclear exchange, this is going to create a, a massive death and destruction. Some people on the right or whatever who are uh, modern nuclear weapons are, you know, like modern diesel buses. They don't give off any waste anymore. They just blow up what they blow up. They, the, the radiation is within the uh, radius of the blast. It's rather ridiculous. The idea that we can really survive a nuclear war. There's The thing about a nuclear war is there's really no idea where it will stop. The, uh, you know, right now, the U.S. Uh, has 400 um, ICBMs, inter intercontinental ballistic missiles, uh, ready on a hair trigger. Uh, and there have been numerous, numerous instances throughout history where the U.S. government, the president, everybody in the U like, you know, in that command and control system believed that there was an on an, on, an you know, an incoming nuclear missile, uh, possibly from from the Soviet Union. And there was there have actually been concerns just from North Korea in 2018, 2019 um, era. So these, the, the, the threat that, uh, you know, we can misperceive something is, is ever present. Um, but could we ever, you know, can we make sure that only a certain number of weapons are used or are we just going to, you know, like, would it just escalate incredibly quickly? Like, I, I don't really trust or believe that we might 
be able to successfully control a nuclear war. And it doesn't take that many. By the amount of dust and dirt that is kicked up, it would just cloud over the skies, causing, you know, uh, absolute devastation across the globe it cannot just be limited to you know just two countries if india and pakistan you know have a conflict it's you know the idea being that you know maybe it wouldn't affect us oh it would absolutely affect us so there's really no limited sense of, of a war and that's samuel hickey he's a research analyst with the center for arms control the biden administration um what researchers uh, came forward with what researchers are saying is a uh, somewhat conciliatory toned uh, nuclear weapons uh, position in its March interim national security strategic guidance document. The, uh, the administration moved quickly to extend the new START treaty with Russia. Uh, there was some discussion under President Trump, former President Trump, did not extend the treaty that limits nuclear weapons by both countries. Under former President Trump, the Intermediate Nuclear Missile Treaty was allowed to expire. Currently, the U.S. is in negotiations with Iran about restarting the nuclear agreement between Iran and the U.S. that was also ended by the Trump administration. And finally, on Friday morning, dozens of unhoused New Yorkers holding trash bags full of their belongings boarded several school buses in front of the Four Points by Sheraton Hotel in Midtown. After staying there for as long as 16 months, around 150 people were being moved back to shelters as the city program to place homeless New Yorkers in hotels during the pandemic draws to a close. But 25 residents locked themselves in their rooms and refused to leave. They said that between the highly contagious Delta variant and the fact that just 14 percent of homeless New Yorkers are vaccinated, it wasn't safe to go back to congregate shelters. And homeless shelter resident Anthony Campbell describes how he and the 25 refused to leave on Friday morning. Still haven't found an apartment that accepts this voucher. So that's where the holdup is at, from voucher to, to permanent residence. It has to be some type of legislation that forces these rental owners to rent to people of low income with vouchers. Because of the pandemic, I get placed in a hotel setting. Now this hotel kept us here in a single room for 16 months. And they think that the pandemic is over and we're eligible to go back to a dorm setting. And they tried to move us from out the hotel back into a dorm setting. So last night, my lawyer, Josh, he told me that since Candy, the laws changed. They had to legislate law because everybody that was placed in the hotel was given apartments. And they see they couldn't continue doing that during every national disaster. So they legislated law and changed the law. After the national disaster is declared over, if you are still in that residence hotel that the government placed you in, you have to leave if told and so, or you'll be trespassing now. Since the law changed, I had to leave yesterday, or I would have been arrested for trespassing. But they tried to place me in a dorm setting, knowing that I have acceptable accommodation. That was the term they used, because of your injuries or your, your illness. So they knew that uh, I just had surgery, a hip replacement pelvis. I got hit by a bus. I just had all of these surgeries and severe chronic asthma. All of these things says I need reasonable accommodation. Well, they didn't even have heard of that. They tried to place me in a dorm setting. So my lawyer called the director of DHS, sent over all my medical paperwork, 
showed them that I needed reasonable accommodations. After I had an asthma attack, that's when they decided to give me a reasonable accommodations by placing me in another hotel all the way out in Queens. What do you think of the new so, place? I think that is very, very selfish of them to think of just me and not everybody that was in that hotel with me. They just thought that by satisfying me that the problem is solved. But it's not. We still face the problem of homelessness in our country. Now, is this a problem that has a solution? And are we trying to solve this problem? If you're not trying to do those two and you're just trying to move me from one location to another, this homelessness is going to drag on forever. No one wants to say that that's a problem that can be fixed. Because if it is, why isn't the system working? Did any other people try and stay in the hotel besides you? It was 25 of us. It was 25 of us that stayed back and refused to move. Only one of us, me, got reasonable accommodations because my lawyer called the director. The other guys wasn't privy to lawyers, so they got sent back to the shelter on Tremont Avenue, which is a bad like a bad like a dorm situation. And I honestly did that for the whole, not for me. That's what the pandemic has exposed to us, that every man, woman, and child should have a space to call his own just in case they have to quarantine. You must legislate law that mandates every rental apartment building, every rental property must designate at least one or two units for voucher holders and low-income people. When a person receives this voucher, he will automatically have a destination that he can reach within 30 days. And that's Anthony Campbell. He's a homeless shelter resident who was among those who refused to leave from the Four Points Hotel on West 40th Street uh, last Friday. There are 80,000 homeless men, women and children in New York City. About 4,000 sleep on the streets every night. And that's some of the news for Tuesday, July 6, 2021. The news was produced with Linda Perry, our engineers, Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.